The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota, and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen. Welcome to the Makers of Minnesota podcast. This is a podcast where we talk to local people that are making things, and it could be technology-driven things. It could be physical things. In this case today, it's kind of a little of both. It's some creative ideas, and then there's actually a physical product. Uh, This is episode 24 today, and we are talking with Amy Loken. And she is the creator and founder of Mood Modular. And Amy, I think I saw your products first at like a trade show where um, you were introducing them for women-owned businesses. And I'm going to let you explain your products, and then I'm going to tell you why I thought it was so amazing. All right. Well, Welcome first, to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, this is absolutely. I'm going to have you pull your microphone just a little bit closer. All Super. Right. Awesome. Well, super. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, our, um, you know what? I created a modular marketing display that is meant to be viewed in a 360 because I I believe we're viewed in a 360. So, why shouldn't your displays also emulate that? Yeah. Um, And they're dynamic and versatile and they're meant to be used in 101 different ways. So, what I, when I first saw you, I had been doing trade shows for my own small business. And when you go to a trade show, you're trying to carry things that maybe one or two people can carry. A lot of small businesses, you don't have, you know, these thousands and thousands of dollars for these fancy displays. The pull-up signs are great, but um, they're kind of flat and not super exciting. So I saw you at this networking event, and you had this very cool graphic um, dis- display that I could tell, like you, a couple people could set up. Um, were you in the trade business before, or how did you start this idea? Even well, um, my um my degree is actually an industrial design degree. Okay, and I spent fifteen years in the shopping center industry doing retail design and visual merchandising. That for- makes some sense. Yeah. yeah. So I did, um, so the common area of the shopping centers was my office for 15 years, um, all the way throughout the Midwest and, and all over the country. I actually worked for a company called General Growth Properties. Yeah. yeah. They were located here. They owned South Hill for a while. Yep. And sure. Absolutely. And um, so the last five years of that 15-year stint, I was contracted. So I actually had six different properties um, that I traveled around to that I was primarily the go-to person for all visuals um, so in the when, common area. So when, like, I don't know, in the beginning, I guess, when did the South Hill start? In the late 60s. Mm-hmm. They had, like, a fountain in the middle of the common area, and then it kind of went to more, like, cubes, cement cubes, sort of. And then there was always, um, there was, at one point, even in South Hill, in the beginning of the atrium, there were birds. I don't know if you remember that. It, yeah. They had birds in these huge cages in the beginning. So you were the person who was supposed to make these common areas look inviting. 
Yep. Well, actually, we in the mid. So basically, in the mid nineties, the shopping center industry realized that they had valuable real estate that was untapped, which was their common area. Okay. So you started, you would see these um, pop ups that they're called now. You know, but back in the day, they were kiosk, they were referred to as kiosks yep. or holiday vendors and things like that that came in basically from the end, beginning of November, end of October through like January. And they, you know, sold holiday gifts. Sure. Well, when those nine, ten, you know, what happens for the remainder of those other nine to ten months out of the year, the shopping center industry, the management department decided hey, wait a second, we have this untapped real estate. Why are we not leasing out this space the remainder of those nine months, not just holidays? So then you started seeing a lot of the RMUs or the the carts or the kiosks in the center of the shopping center convert to um, static displays Mm -hmm. or partially manned displays. So those were like my people. Were you selling those people or helping them design the spaces or both? Well, um, originally I was hired to help them design and utilize the space on the cart. So I helped them actually figure out how to utilize the space because you have a minimal amount of space. You have minimal storage inside there. You need to attract people because you have less than four seconds, regardless of whether you're walking through a shopping center or a trade show or through your brick and mortar. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you have less than those four seconds. As much as we don't want to admit that we make snap judgments, we do. Oh, completely. Social psychologists have actually estimated that we make an initial judgment within the first four seconds. And within 30 seconds, we've actually finalized our judgment on something or someone. Wow. Yeah. That's fast. It is really fast. So when you, and then you throw into the fact that you know, that first impression, so to speak, can be happening from 30 feet away from any angle possible. So that's where my thought process of the whole being viewed in a 360 comes from, because you're being viewed from all different angles in a really quick, short amount of time. So if you're don't if you don't really think about it that way, then you're missing your own valuable real estate. Right. In a sense. Yeah. So that's where the the thought process came from was people would advertise their, you know, gutter cleaners and invisible fences and, you know, dentists and chiropractors in the middle of a shopping center during the mid-90s because everything was starting to change. How we communicated, we could, you know, switch channels a lot quicker. We had, you know, satellite radio. Yeah, it was more interactive. Very much so. So why not take that into the middle of a shopping center where you already have people in that buying Mode. Can you think of a success story where, like, you literally helped someone design a cart that sold lots of merchandise? Oh, my goodness. Um, Yeah, it was probably back in the day when it was the Happy Feet. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Remember that? Yep. Yeah. The podiatrist I, guys. Yep. Well, no, the the um, no, the big slippers that, oh, you, that looked like Because um, there was a store called Happy Feet. There was. But bef- prior to that, there was these great big giant slippers that looked like... Um, tennis shoes and cool. some look like animals. Yeah. And I mean, we're talking way back. Bigfoot. Like, yeah. I remember those. <laughs> yeah. And in so when I was in Michigan during a, a huge part of that, and I was helping, you know, I had like nine properties there. So I would travel around and, and typically it was the same 
operator, owner, yep. and then he had different operators at all the different shopping centers. So I would design one cart. We would set it up. This was the approved design, and then it would roll out to the other eight properties throughout the state of Michigan. So Cool. Yeah. So that's actually where a lot of it started. And then I dabbled in the whole leasing aspect because I really wanted to understand the the big picture of the shopping center industry. And that's kind of, you know, so I definitely, you know, dabbled in the leasing aspect, but I, visuals was always my, my thing. So did you, okay, so you're doing that. Mm -hmm. Did you get laid off? Did you quit your job? Did you leave your job to go start this? What was the moment that you were like, okay, I'm going to branch out on my own here and do mood modular? Well, um, you know, it was one of those things. It was the, uh, ironically, it was the week of Thanksgiving of 2008. And my husband came to me and I was contract. So I was traveling between um, five different shopping centers at that time. The um, Everything from Eau Claire, Wisconsin to um, Rochester in the yep. Twin Cities. So that was kind of my triangle loop. And he's like, so have you seen an invoice come through? And and I had seen the writing on the wall for a long time. We all know what happened once 2009 hit. Yep. Um, so I suspended my contracts for non-payment of some invoices. Okay. So that had to be really difficult because you've mm-hmm. done the work already and mm-hmm. you're not getting paid. Mm-hmm. And you're at risk with these vendor relationships that you've created, I'm assuming. Yep. And so were you devastated? You know, I was and at this um but I've always I'm always somebody who looks at that glass overflowing. And you know, and um there's a reason certain things happen and it was just it was just time. It was and it was just time to move on. It was time to reinvent myself. So ironically, um before the end of two thousand and eight, my dad's health um declined rapidly. And he could no longer care for himself or my mother. Uh-huh. So by January of 2009, um, my husband and I um, moved my parents into our home, and I became their primary caregiver. And at the same time, I'm like, well, you know, I, I need to reinvent myself. And it dawned on me that what... In all your spare time. In all my spare time, <laughs> yes. So it dawned on me that, you know, I looked at um, doing, you know, I'd done some interior design work and thought, oh, well, the whole staging thing's coming yep. up. And I'm like, ah, oh, but you know what? My dad was the first man who taught me how to weld. And... I remember him calling me when I was going to school in Denver, Colorado, getting my industrial design degree and him saying, oh, this is what you need to design. And he was just always, he was an inventor by his own right. And I thought, well, what a cool way to get his mind off of his um, ailments yep. and help me try to see if I couldn't make this little idea um, into something physical. And what was the first idea? It I well actually I was looking for a way to replace myself in shopping centers, so I knew that um, people still needed what I offered, but they couldn't pay me to come in and do it. So I knew that things needed to be uh, modular. It mm-hmm. needed to be set up really quick. It needed to be lightweight. It needed to be stored flat, and most importantly, it needed to be able to be set up by one person who had no idea how it went together. So you're thinking in terms of like merchandising and a kit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was it was basically kind of a, a visual merchandiser in a box. Yep. So 
at to start out, are you using cardboard? Are you using forms? How much money did you decide you were going to put at it? Or did you first start to like physically make these things? I just kind of jumped in with both feet. I um, have always been really good about um, making really good relationships with people yep. and, and really um, seeing people's strengths really quickly. And um, that's a reading, gift. Yeah, yeah, and reading people really well. So back to the shopping center industry, I worked with a local sign company who did a lot of um, the signage for the shopping center, you know, from wall graphics to whatever. So I called her up and I said, um, so I have this idea and I'd like to pick your brain on materials. I knew I wanted it to be lightweight. I knew it needed to be interchangeable. And so I literally sat down with her and said, okay, here's, here's my idea what types of materials are out there that I could use. So we just started brainstorming and playing with different scraps that she had. Was and there nobody doing this at the time? Because it seems like an idea that someone would have had. One would have thought. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, you didn't find any competitors out there? No. Okay. Not um, not with the... Uh, dimensional aspect yeah and, and, and the all, ease of setup and the, and, and, and the collapsibility and and then i just so somebody asked me not too long ago so do you still have your first prototype and i'm like yeah it's sitting in a i think it's still sitting in a shopping center in milwaukee um, yeah <laughs> i just started selling them so as i made them and met with people we put their you know we designed the graphics we you know put them on the substrate i would either deliver them or ship them out and as as we would make upgrades and things like that, I would call them back up and, you know, and say, hey, you know, we've revamped a certain thing as a thank you to you for believing in us from the beginning. I would like to upgrade it for you. And yeah, and just kept on building those relationships. And when you started out selling your first kits, how much did they cost? <laughs> oh, they were way underpriced. <laughs> Tell me about that. <laughs> to be honest, um, a lot of people, well... Um, I think my um, biggest one, my biggest first one was like around that $500 range, which, you know, was shocking to some people. And some people were like, shocking in like, well, that's really underpriced because yeah. I also put my design into that price as well. And so that barely breaking even. I was going to say, so if you charge $500 for one of these displays, mm -hmm. how much did it cost you to actually make it? Not to mention your time. Yeah, well, if you include the time in there, that you were upside factor. down. I, yeah. <laughs> so, were you just so excited to kind of get going and get some out there, and you thought you'd deal with price later, or did you really not factor in that your time had value and yeah. just underpriced it, which a lot of people do? You know, yeah, it yeah. was. You don't know what you don't know. Yep. And being in the fact that I went from basically selling my my ideas and my talents, I mean, that's what I was getting paid for, to producing a product was was really interesting for yeah. me. So understanding those really cost of goods and then how to honestly and properly mark them up was was crazy new to me. So I, what you don't know, you don't know, So which was probably better in the end because I learned a lot in how much people valued my time. So how did you learn that? Did you get business coaching? Were people telling you, gee, this is too inexpensive? 
Because a lot of people do make products, mm-hmm. have no P&L or no sense of what they're actually making on their products, and they just keep going, and they figure as long as they keep selling them, they'll be ahead. You know, but they never really understand exactly how much something costs for them to make it. Yeah, you know, for me, because I I cared for both my parents to the very end, you know, I'm, I'm blessed and honored to say that I watched both of them take their last breath in the same exact spot in my home. So over the course of how much time? Um, over the course of the first about three years. And you were still like, start, had you been really working on starting up this business concurrently? Prior to that, prior to them moving in, absolutely not. But so now they're with you mm-hmm. and they're in varying degrees of illness mm-hmm. and aging and you're also starting a business. Was that happening the entire time? Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. But again, once you don't know, you don't know. And, you, yeah. you know, and I'm the youngest of six and there's 16 years between me and the oldest and almost seven years between me and the one before me. So I was almost like an only child. Sure. And I watched, I remembered my grandparents in our home more than my siblings. To be yeah. Honest. So when my dad became ill and couldn't care for my mother anymore or himself, I knew no other way, but that's just what you did. Yeah. You know, so it was, it was, it was just that juggling and you just, you just did what you did. And and now I can look back and go, well, what the yeah was that? <laughs> you know, but you just. You're just in the moment. So yeah, really, I understand you're just, actually a yeah. lot. Yeah, you're just, I quit a job to take care of my mother who was ill, and she died three weeks later, so it wasn't yeah. long. But you do, and you're just in the you're just in the mix yeah. of it. And so, your parents now, over the course of the three years, you've launched the company. Did you? Was it always called Mood Modular? It originally started as a Mood Modular Marketing Systems. That's a mouthful. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And I think marketing becomes complicated for people to understand what it was you were selling. Mm -hmm. Though I get it. Mm -hmm. I can understand how people are like, what, huh? And the system sounds like a residual thing. So your parents have now passed, and I'm sorry about that, just for the record. And now you're trying to figure out, okay, you've got extra time, I'm assuming, and you're going to go full-fledged into this business. Were you still alone? Were you the only person working there? Yep. Well, in building it, I had to be very resourceful. So I couldn't travel. Um, and everything needed to be made and, and created very locally between Wisconsin and Minnesota. Yep. So it was very much this, you know, it wasn't like I could fly to uh, Mexico and have, you know, carrying cases made for me because they needed, they need their, you can't just stock them, yep. their, their custom. And so I found a, a local guy who I had heard through the grapevine made it, um, his business was to make boat tarps. Well, I'm thinking it's 2009. You're probably not making as many boat tarps as you were a couple years ago. Yep. Walked in and said, could you make me a, a carrying case? Here's the the drawing, the size, and he's like, yeah, sure. You'll probably be getting them from Mexico in a couple of years. That's what everybody does. He still makes them for me today. Oh, that's great. Um, another gentleman, I needed some rods um, welded to a, um, you know, a three-inch base. And, um, you know, I didn't have a welding equipment. I could do it, but started going, you know, Googling and trying to find somebody local. And um, I didn't have a website, but he came up on the Google search. So I called him, set up a time, walked into his shop and said, this is what I need. If you just let me use your spot welder, I can actually show you exactly what I'm, 
talking about? And Chrissy took one look at me and kind of laughed and said, uh, no, you're not touching my welding equipment, yep. but thanks. I'll take care of that. That's funny. So he made my first set. Um, you know, I have a um, place called um, the CDC, which is a career development center, um, which I get my rods and 12-foot lengths from another local steel company. And I, they deliver them to this development center they cut them all for me and and round off the ends and another small um one guy show cuts all my boards and um does all of the um, holes for all my magnets and yeah it's just this huge collaboration of all these other businesses that were probably struggling to keep going during a time that you know and and they were willing to work with me yeah and and do sh- small and short runs for me instead of... Do you think that would happen now in this time frame, that people would have that willingness? You know, the recession brought a lot of ingenuity yeah. to the marketplace. Mm-hmm. I would hope so. Yeah. And, and it's interesting, You when you started, like, how did you pay all these people? Were you putting it on credit cards or had you set aside a nest egg and... You know, like when we started our business, it was $50,000 and that was all we were going to spend. And that was like our savings. Did you do the same thing or how did you fund it? You know, um, credit cards, to be honest. Yeah. When I, when I left um, the shopping center industry, I was the breadwinner. So I leave my job and then bring in two dying adults into our home. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, a lot of prayers and faith. Um, but yeah, we racked up some some nice credit card. That um, general growth did become current um, prior to completely going. Um, they went bankrupt in two thousand and nine, um, but they did come almost current with uh, my outstanding invoices, which was nice. But so, in when you look back and you figure you had to bootstrap your own startup costs, about how much do you think you would have needed if you were have to have gone out and gotten a loan, or what was the amount that you think you started with for your business? Oh, you know, um, in the first probably three years, it was probably close to, you know, upwards of 20. Yep. Yeah, easily. That doesn't seem like that much. It doesn't. Yeah. But, you know, back, you know, back then that was. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it was everything. I mean, I can, re- you know, on top of trying to juggle, you know, hospice and, and people coming in for, you know, that appointments respite. And, and, yeah. Yeah. And then juggling doctor's appointments yep. and and all those things that just come with life, you know, it's, I coined a phrase, it was during, um, it was the short time between my dad's passing and um, having just my mom full time. And it was, it's how we stumble through one journey that creates our next. And I stumbled big time with my dad. Yeah. Um, we were a lot alike, um, very headstrong, very independent. And um, I can remember the day I was trying to, you probably make a phone call, um, answer an email, get supper ready, and my parents are sitting in the living room, and all my dad wanted me to do was come in and sit down and watch an episode of Hee Haw. And did you? After, like, the third time of him requesting it, yes. But that was the last time I was able to watch a show, a Hee Haw, rewind with my dad. Oh, that's interesting. You know, and that, that's such a memory for you. It is. You know, and it was like nothing else mattered at that moment in time other than that. Yeah. Well, that's touching, actually. It is. But it made me a better caregiver for my mom. Sure. 
in the end because I remembered that. Yep. So whatever we're doing in any exact moment, really, that's all that really matters in that moment. So it really made me look at the rest of that time with them and my time left on this earth. Sure. And what you're going to do with it. Yeah. So you, would you say your business is successful? Like how long was it before you paid yourself or are you paying yourself? Because how long have you been doing this now? Well, 2009. years in April. Yeah. So, um, gosh, well, it depends on the, it depends on the month whether I'm paying myself or not. Let's just be Do you still month to month depending on what your revenues are? Yeah. You know, I definitely have, you know, uh, summers are definitely slower than, you know, the end of the year and the beginning of the year. And, you know, I think we... We all find those dips and valleys, and um, but it's exciting to be able to announce that I've hired my first full-time employee. I was just going to ask you. All was, right. Yeah, which was um, which is just a complete leap of faith. Um, from a I, sales standpoint or from a putting the pieces together standpoint, what is that full-time employee doing? Um, you know, she's doing a little bit of everything, Yep. Um, to be honest. She's kind of my right-hand um, gal, um, but definitely getting her feet wet in the whole sales and understanding because of the, the the whole business and, and being able to help me grow it. There's so much money in trade shows and displays and marketing. Why wouldn't someone use your products? Or is it literally just like, I can't imagine someone looking at your products and thinking, no, I'm not going to buy that. Because I really think it's that cool, that easy, that dynamic. Do people say no, or is it just you getting the word out and like getting in front of more people? It's that it's getting in front of more people. Um, and everyone I know that has your product honestly loves it. Yay! That I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it, and because you can see it, and you can go to my website, and you can see my Instagram posts and Facebook and all that. But until you actually see that how versatile it really is and that literally we give you a box and show you the 101 ways to think outside of it. I mean, whether it's my product or whatever display you have, use it for more than one purpose. Use that sucker. Get your revenue out of it. Understand how important it is to of your brand recognition. And if you put that effort into that every time you're being viewed, it only can relate to your potential customer as a subconscious thing of, wow, they're going to put that much effort into me. Do you end up having to like counsel people on how to work a trade show? Because so many people sit behind a table at a booth in a chair on their phone. It's like, you know, no one is going to buy anything from you people. Come Mm -hmm. on. So I would imagine you can make it look all pretty and shiny and beautiful, but if they sit behind it and don't talk to anybody, they're not going to sell anything. Absolutely, which is why we typically remove the table completely. Yeah. Um, You know, my product definitely kind of forces them to do that, and I very much force them to stand out, literally, from, you know, that that sea of the pull-up banners and the tables and I believe that your customers aren't flat, boring cutouts, and your sales display shouldn't be either. Right. So, which is why you can flip our graphics around and the fact that they're magnetic and you can actually interact with them as you would interact with your customers. How do you get the word out? How do you market it currently? 
you know, right now, and because it's pretty much been me, um, it's trade shows, networking events, which is where, you know, yep. we connected many years ago and um, doing conferences and, Okay. And when you think about social media and how that's impacted your business, like, are you on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook? Do you do all that Pinterest? I do. Yep. Um, Facebook, um, Twitter, uh, Instagram. Have you been able to monetize any of the social media assets? Like, literally, do you know someone saw something and bought something? Or is it more the idea of the show and tell? It's more of the show and tell. Um, although 2017, I really hope to roll out a more videos yep. and actually interacting because that's actually the sales. That's really what catches people when they see that you can go from a one square foot column and it can, you know, morph into a table display or another floor display. You know, you can literally go from an eight foot table to an eight by 10 booth, depending upon, you know, how many displays you have. Are your products trademarked? Working on that. Yeah, because has anyone else started doing what you do at this point now that they've seen how creative and clever your trade show displays are? Not to my knowledge. Okay. It's so surprising because it's in some ways your ideas are they're simple. I mean, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, they're brilliant and they're colorful and they're bright. And if any of you listening are business people or you go to trade shows, if you're sick of just having the stand-up banner, but it's about the same cost. I mean, a stand-up banner, a good one, is, you know, 425 bucks. Mm-hmm. So you need two of those for a booth. So now you're at $900. On top of all the other stuff that yeah. you seem to... The tables and the skirts like, yeah. and... You know, so yep. yeah, in comparison, once you honestly add all those things up, it's not much different. And yet one of my displays, you can, you know, can morph into like five different ways. Do you have different size kits now? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you might have like what's your low, what's your for entry price kit? Um, our current entry price, um, which is truly a tabletop, is about that eight hundred. Okay, yeah. and then it goes up to like what's your highest end? And I then, suppose you do custom work. We do custom work, but then we also have um, put together packages. Okay, where you can actually end up with probably seven different displays in a package for, you know still around that seven grand. Okay. Yeah. Which this is, it's amazing how much this stuff goes for. I mean, it's just when you really research the display industry, people spend a lot of money on these things. Um, So what was your biggest sale? Like, did somebody buy three versions of something or do you remember that day? I do remember that day. It was actually um, because I had entered a way back in the very beginning, I had entered a, um, like a startup um, contest, yeah, and um, got like runner up to it. But in the venting um, of it, the you know we had to present in front yeah. of you know uh, firing squads, so to speak. And one of the gentlemen in there worked for a university and worked for the small business development aspect of it, and I owe a huge amount of my success to him. And they ended up buying several for um, the small business development. Yep. And he then moved on to um, run, uh, to go to the state level. Okay. So he called me one day and said, you know, I've, I've moved and I'm now in this position and you know I love your product. And we, um, you know, the American SBDC has, has changed the branding. So I want these in all 14 of our locations throughout the state 
So we're going to have to probably repurchase the ones we already have from you because the branding's different. Yep. And I said, oh, well, actually, no, we can take those back and then just rewrap them. And then we can build additional ones for you, which he thought was brilliant. So you can actually, once you have yeah. our structures, you, we just rewrap them sure. um, as branding changes. And then he ended up purchasing, you know, some um, smaller displays that we do, um, small little tabletop ones that we do for our um, longstanding customers. We don't sell them individually. They come as part of a kit and are in like 14 of the locations. And then they have like 10 other displays that they ship around um, the state. So when, that was incredible. That is pretty incredible. When you go to a trade show mm-hmm. and you see like your stuff, are you excited? Yeah, it's pretty crazy, especially when it's like at a um, an event that I had been to maybe a year or two previous, and then I walk back into another one of their conferences, and they're like, "Boom!" So mood has arrived, apparently. Yeah, and, which is really cool and exciting. And I love interviewing you because I feel honestly, I think your product's great. I feel like you're on the cusp, and that if we can just help you get the word out. Because there's no reason people wouldn't buy it. It's really beautiful and it's creative and it's clever and it's easy to assemble, easy to handle. I just, I hope that people will hear this podcast and spread the word because everybody needs good trade show displays. And the stand-up banner, while it works, maybe just isn't the best way to represent your product, depending on what your product is. Yeah. But Well, and not only that, but we really want you to use them for more than just a trade show. So yep. get rid of the, you know, the... PowerPoint, everybody yawns and gets ready to glass glaze over their eyes when they see those slides come up. And instead, utilize your display. You know, I do when I speak. Well, that's interesting. So using it as a presentation tool, too. Yeah, so I just, um, you know, they're all magnets, so I just click each of my um, points up. And then as I talk about them, I flip them around. Cool. And then because everything's laminated and you can turn them into dry erase boards, I actually write on it. I talk about a... TED Talk that I want people to listen to body language. and Yeah. So well. let's, so I'm thinking about goals right now because mm-hmm. it's kind of the end of the year and beginning to be the new year. Do you as a business person set up like one month, three months, six months, year goals, or do you write goals down for yourself? Absolutely. I carry my goal in, with me all the time. And, and when you look back on them, are you surprised at the goals that you've achieved? Do you think like writing them down is important to your success? I do because it's that um, that pen to paper, and and I do the pen to paper, not yep. just typing it. Um, and maybe it's from you know my my mom having Lewy body dementia, and understanding mm-hmm. that process, and and that we remember things more when we write them down, and they become. Well, I've just shared them. They're on paper. They're right. on pen and ink. It's it's not just that flailing thing that's out there. It becomes more concrete, I guess. Uh, any parting words for anybody listening to the podcast today that might be an entrepreneur with an idea? Oh, just don't be afraid. Just, you know, be afraid. I think you should always have a little fear in you every single day. Um, you, should, you should always feel those butterflies and that little pulse higher of that heart. Um, because if you don't, you're not pushing hard enough and mm-hmm. far enough outside that comfort zone. Good advice, Amy Loken with Mood Modular. Again, if you know anybody that's looking for displays or wants a creative presentation tool, um, we'll, you'll, you can find it's moodmodular.com. 
and um, she's got an Instagram account, Facebook, Twitter. We will link to these things on uh, the Makers of Minnesota Facebook page. We also have an Instagram account. I'm dying to post some of your pictures so people can see them and help you get the word out. Thanks for being here today, and good luck. Thanks. And it is M-U-D modular. Yes. There's umlauts above the U. We had to discuss how to get the umlauts (laughs) when we're typing, and I may or may not be successful at them, but I promise I will try. That's okay. You don't. I was like looking at my keyboard, and I knew you had them in your logo, but I'm like, what? Where are these umlauts, and how do I get these? So blame my dad. He was Austrian German descent. You know what? It's kind of clever though, too. It looks cute. It, the logo it's looks cute. About, so. It's all about you. It is. Thank you, Amy. I appreciate you being <laughs> Thanks, on the podcast Stephanie. today. Stay tuned for 60-second AP News headlines.